Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. We're back with our first episode in the new decade, which I recorded late last year during the Toronto ACG Capital Connection Conference, where the program included a session focused on family offices and business succession. I was able to catch up with one of the panelists, Elmer Kim, for an interview afterward. Elmer has more than 25 years of experience working with family offices and is currently the chief investment officer for the Hyatt Bangia family office. During our interview, Elmer spoke about the focus for those families, as well as the family office landscape more generally. I asked him about what it takes to tap into the family office market as both an external advisor as well as a prospective employee, and he discussed the trend among family offices of buying operating companies directly and how the Canadian family office environment compares to that in the U.S., If you work at a family office or you have clients in this space, I would encourage you to check with your local chapter of the Association for Corporate Growth about the family office groups and programming that they offer. There will also be a dedicated family office program on the last day of ACG's annual conference, Intergrowth, in April. We'll have more information available at intergrowth.org, which is also where you can find details about dates, schedule, all that good stuff. With that business out of the way, let's get to the interview. Here is my conversation with Elmer Kim. Elmer, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. So there's a saying that I run into a lot, which is that once you've met one family office, you've met one family office. So given that there's no real blueprint, can you give us an overview of the Hyatt Bangia family office and the types of investments that you make? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so what we do, it's the relatively new uh, family office creations, uh, Hyatt family and Bangia family, we've, uh, we're sharing some common overhead, uh, but we uh, their technology exits. Uh, Michael Hyatt and Richard Hyatt built a business called Blue Cat Networks and sold it to uh, a PE fund out of Chicago, uh, Madison Dearborn, um, in which we have a terrific relationship. We still have an ongoing ownership in Blue Cat. Uh, Naresh Banja sold a company called AJB Software, and he sold that business to a strategic buyer in the name of Verifone, a publicly traded company at one point, which ultimately got taken private. But uh, that's the background. They're relatively young entrepreneurs. Uh, one's, one group's in their 40s, the other's in the early 50s. And we're now in the early formations of, of setting up their family offices. We hear a lot, particularly within ACG, about the growing popularity of family offices investing directly in operating businesses. Has that been part of your approach? Yeah, we want to get there. Uh, we're, we, we've been doing direct deals uh, into early stage technology companies, partly because it's in their, uh, in their DNA and their desire to go back into the world that they uh, were very successful in. One and number two is we think that we also get uh, better returns as a result of investing directly rather than uh, indirectly through a fund or through um, allocation to the private equity. Um, in this late si- part of the cycle, we're also finding that niche little companies where we can make a direct investment in um, is a better value proposition than the larger buyout funds that we typically would have been in allocating to. So that's the other reason we're going directly rather than uh, through, uh, through funds. I understand that the family office model in Canada has evolved more recently than it, it has in the United States or other parts of the world. Can you talk about the family office landscape here and how that looks different from south of the border? Sure. Um, I've been in 
involved in family offices since 1995 in uh, senior executive or investment roles. Um, so that's you know more than you know, it sounds like almost 30 years in there somewhere. It's 25, 30 years of investing in family offices environment. Uh, the 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 wealth creation that's happened in Canada that's risen to that's given risen to these family offices is relatively recent uh, in terms of uh, liquidity for the entrepreneurs. The formation is relatively new. Uh, there were, for extended period of time, there was a handful of family offices, and I think in the last five ten years we've seen this explosion partly because of the tech tech success and as well as the uh, success that we've seen in the oil and gas industry out west. Um, uh, until recently. So that's been the, really the formation. I think the difference between Canada and U.S. certainly is is the, you know, the sophistication of the U.S. family office is much, much deeper. Uh, I think the the wealth or the size of the family offices are much larger as well. So I think if you, you know, line up the top 100 family offices in Canada and, and compare that to the top 100 in the U.S., there's different cutoffs as to what hits the top 100. So that's kind of where we sit. Uh, there is a plethora of family offices that are, you know, probably in the 50 to $100 million range. Um, and there's a handful that are above and beyond that. But uh, And there are very few above the billion-dollar uh, mark, but that's kind of the range that we're talking about in Canada versus the United States. Yeah. And as family offices build up their in-house investment capabilities, they're attracting talent from traditional private equity firms. What type of different mindset is required to work within a family office than maybe compared to a, a PE shop? Yeah, and I, I guess part of it is I've done both, and I've I was a GP and I ran a private equity fund for one of the banks. Um, and the difference is really the the pace and the uh, uh, the individual desire of the principles. So the real fundamental answer is we don't. There is no there is no cadence that we're operating to at a, at a family office. We do it because it's a deal that we want to do. It's a team that we want to support. Uh, versus when you're in a more of an institutionalized fund where you actually have a finite timeline and there's a sunset to your fund. It, it's much more proactive in ensuring that you get your money allocated or invested in that period of time. Uh, family offices were more in the capital preservation business than in the capital gains business. So we spend a lot of time understanding, are we going to withstand the next cycle? Is this people, are these the people we're going to be investing in that are going to make us proud, you know, 10 years from now? And is it some, uh, is, it, is it a business that, that we think uh, will uh, outlast a generation and go on for a while? So we're trying to invest in young, good companies and people that have a much longer timeline or trajectory than a typical PE or a buyout shop. Mm-hmm. When a family or an individual is exiting their business and they're planning for what to do next with their capital, can you talk about some of the conversations that you're having early on about those decisions? Yeah, we, we talk about, uh, you know, I was at the formation stages of both the Hyatt and the Banjo family offices um, as we start to get going. Um, and it really comes down to what their long-term objectives are. What do they want to do with their lives? Um, how do they want to spend their day? And, and you know, as they're running their business, uh, the company that gave them this uh, the source of uh, wealth and freedom, they're working 80 hours a week on one particular objective. And now that liquidity happened, you know, how do they fill the time? Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, investing is not all that complicated, but what makes it hard is try, trying to meet the particular shareholder needs and what actually excites them, the principals, in the types of investments you're doing. So there's a lot of passion type projects. Uh, there's people that you know uh, 
we want certain types of people we want to work with or have common interests or common cultural bents to. And, and those are the opportunities that we're trying to f- fit into or find um, that makes a little bit different than PE where we just kind of like, you know, we're constantly working hard to just get the deal done. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned on the panel um, the, the deep and longstanding relationships that you have with your partners. For someone who is interested in working with a family office, how do you break into that if, if there's already sort of a relationship base? I, I think it's like everything else. is a long-term uh, sharing of ideas, sharing of opportunities. It's not a... Uh, it's never a quick sale on, on a on a deal. Um, it's <clears throat> it's constant staying in touch and seeing how you know we're always looking for uh, great ideas and great people to work with. So it's this constant uh, uh, relationship building. And is there a common trait or is there a common set of values that we can work agree upon that kind of makes it a fit? Um, and, and and you know I don't know about the rest of the world, but Canada's pretty small marketplace. Uh, the people in our opaque part of the family office world kind of know each other. One, and the, and the service providers that kind of come to us, we we generally know who they are as well because you know people have been in the business for an extended period of time. So I don't think it's all that hard to crack in. It's just a matter of you know staying in touch and is it is it a particular investment opportunity that makes f- sense for that particular family at the given moment in time, right? So it's like almost trying to line up um, line up a bus at a particular time. You got to be there. Um, but eventually, eventually it does. The timing generally does work out if it's a good opportunity. And another thing that you spoke about on the panel was some challenges associated with attracting junior talent to work within the family office investment staff. Can you talk about what some of those are? Yeah, I think you know part of part of that has to be is um, they have to fit into the very small, high performance, um, high expectation environment of a family office. There isn't a lot of room to hide. Uh, one number two is there isn't a lot of training to be to be given either um and the sensitivity towards proprietary information um you know working uh with the uh the ebbs and flow of the needs of the shareholders there'll be times when you're awfully awfully busy there'll be times where fundamentally nothing's going on so the ability to kind of manage your own time is a difficult criteria to meet you know for a young person coming out of school uh to get you know, proper training and coaching and, and exposure to lots of different styles of management and lots of different people, it's extremely valuable. Once you're in a family environment, you're kind of caught up in one particular uh, uh, milieu or environment or style. So it makes it extremely difficult to, I think, grow up. Um, we're, we're trying, you know, we certainly just added to our team um, uh, in a VP finance role. Um, we're constantly trying to find good people that will stay with us for a long period of time. I, I would say we and a royal we for the industry, and and family offices are very small. Like it's we're not adding on a regular basis. It's like once the team is full, the team is full, and then opportunistically we're kind of looking for people every once in a while, and that's the hard part. So if somebody's trying to crack into this market, it's um, it's a bit of a challenge. I would say um, it's being at the right place at the right time with the right skill sets meeting people with a common set of values. Great. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you for lending this insight into the family office environment. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or Google Play, where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help other listeners find out about us. 
If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Please email them to editor at acg.org. I'd also encourage you to check out our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more content covering the middle market, private capital investment, and trends in middle market M&A.